A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Hard Currency, the podcast from the Financial Times on the $5 trillion foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and this week's events are steering us away from currencies to look at the broader market as we digest the sell-off in equities, their recovery, and what the week's events mean in the medium term. With me is Max Kettner, cross-asset strategist at Commerce Bank. Max, the first question. Give me the adjective that describes this sell-off. Lots of people have said it's a shock, it's a massive decline. What best sums it up? I think healthy is the word. Probably surprisingly, but I think it's it's quite healthy. Um, even though the decline might have um, caught some investors off guard, obviously. Um, but when you look at the characteristics of where particularly developed market economies are, you know, the ninth or tenth year of the cycle, yeah. wherever, whatever way you want to define it. So um, on any kind of metric, quite late cycle characteristics and yet we had you know one or even two years of unprecedentedly low volatility low market moves or low magnitudes of market moves be it on rates equities or fx markets over the last year and a half this this low volatility it was an instrument it was a, a, a crafty instrument to get people to take profit on something that was that really people were saying low volatility cannot be so low for, for, for so long and so it's proved so is it good that the market has cleared out that low vol environment i think it is good because it finally ties together i think the macroeconomic environment that we are in yeah. with the market environment because yeah. that was disentangled and that was yeah. disconnected for too long yes. right now i think you know even if some people fear more volatility to come i think it's going to normalize probably in the near term and probably going to be a little lower again so i wouldn't call bank on like extremely rising volatility no. levels yet but uh, right now what we do see is a bit of normalization on and you know tying together the economic development economic uh, environment with the market environment so what's going to happen to equities? Have we had the top in equities or can they continue to rise? I think they can. So when you look at the equity market, uh, historically, I think um, even if you accept you're at a later stage of the cycle, you can still continue uh, to go up. So you can still um, continue to buy equities. I'll Which buy not so fast. Exactly. Okay. Just not that fast. And I think it's not surprising after a year where you had, you know, some sectors had gains of 40, 45 percent, like in 2017, yes. to say, well, that's probably not going to happen again in 2018 Uh, probably single digit or you know high single digit that's that should be around the base case and it should come with you know less of a trending market maybe more trading opportunities such as we have at the moment whenever we get a market jolt i suppose was what this week really was people ask you know know, could we see it coming was it predictable you were thinking it it was going to happen didn't you um, we did to an extent. So we said in January, look, um, I think we titled our uh, January update, a monthly update, uh, reducing equity exposure on right. rising investor complacency, too far. which is, you know, exactly what happened right now. Um, but in hindsight, we didn't do that enough. So I think that's, that may be also what some people have done, but probably um, the market as we um, were also um, surprised about the magnitude and the extent of the decline. Yes, but has it gone? Has the re- correction, I suppose, gone far enough? Is there more room to, ret- to, to retrench? Look, I think it's uh, for, for a fundamental analyst, it's probably not reasonable to say, look, the bottom is in 2.5% right. 
you know, two and a half percent territory. I do see the risk that particularly next week's inflation data in the US and some real economic data in the US, that they will be slightly better than expected, particularly given favorable base effects in the US and also um, the, yes. the favorable dollar depreciation, which is strongest in January and February. So that could be, you know, it could be at least on the month of a month figure. Well, let's quite- look at inflation a little bit deeper, yeah. because that was the trigger for yeah. this correction this week, wasn't it? It was last Friday's uh, wages data out of the US, which surprised on the upside. And actually, last Friday, we were starting to see uh, a sell-off in equities, which was obviously accelerated on Monday. Um, Are we right to highlight it as the the trigger purely and simply? Uh, or, Or is it more to it than that? Yeah, I think with these kind of events, it's it's seldom ever, you know, sort of 2000, August 2015 style where you say, well, that was China. In that instance, I think it was a mix of uh, technicals. First, we had uh, a couple of technical um, averages such as 50-day or 200-day average broken, which, you know... So, uh, average in what, sorry? Average in prices, in equity prices. Right. So some, some equity indices were oh, breaching okay. technically important levels. Yeah. Um, so that might, might have uh, contributed. It was also the inflation scare. So the fundamental picture is probably the inflation scare that you saw from slightly higher inflation reading and then slightly higher wage growth in the US. And then on top of that, you have these, you know, the volatility target strategies or risk parity strategies, all these kind of um, fancy quant strategies these days, which are essentially, you know, highly geared fixed income, run a highly geared fixed income exposure, which obviously in those kind of environments can prove quite quite dismal. To to the um, uh, listener who might have thought that the great financial crash had ended all these these fancy instruments it might come as a bit of a shock to know that not only were they still here but there are still plenty of them in the market Uh, are we uh, do we still need to see those those eliminated or we'll always have these these quite exotic instruments to um, to make people try and make money in 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 ways that that aren't if you like pure pure and simple market behavior I think so. There's there's two sides to it. I think every cycle sort of brings its own innovations, shall we say? Yeah. N- not only in the real um, real economy, but also in, in the financial markets world. Uh, look, end of uh, at the end of the eighties, we had uh, portfolio insurance instruments, which basically bought momentum, which is nothing else what we see right. at the moment, right? <laughs> um, so, but uh, you know, in, in two thousand three to two thousand seven, it was CDOs and so on. Um, I think it it ties together with the environment that we. Have had from let's say t- particularly 2011 2012 until now and then magnified from 2000 sort of 2014 to un- until now the very low uh, yield environment where a lot of investors said look i've got a four five percent yield target i need some yield enhancing strategies yes. and these kind of strategies oftentimes typically uh, are these kind of you know yield enhancing strategies sometimes so they are here they are here for a reason it's not only you know it's you, you can always in, in hindsight you can just say, look, this wasn't justified. But uh, given where the, let's say, the, the central bank environment, given where the yield yes. environment is, it kind of is justified given what kind of targets those those portfolio managers have. Okay. Um, the, an, another aspect of, of this week's market move was, was actually it was just confined to equities by and large. Bonds moved a bit, but currencies, credit... 
barely barely noticed it, didn't they? Yeah, I think credit um, most. So in, in the cash space, not really noticed an awful lot. Mm. Uh, most of it was in in high yield, maybe on the synthetics, on the CDS um, spreads. But again, I think that that kind of tells you, look, we might be at a later stage of the cycle where maybe at some point they'll come slightly higher volatility. But if credit does not sell off and does not sell off even more than equities, it is an indication that we are not there yet. It is an indication that this is by no means the end yes. of the world yet. Yes. We didn't quite finish off our chat about inflation. We had this knee-jerk thing on Friday. We've got the CPI, the consumer price inflation, on Wednesday in the US, which is critical. And we might see a knee-jerk reaction to that. But we have to wait a little bit for a few of these um, this, this data on inflation before we can determine a trend. Isn't that right? Yeah, so, so what we've said in our 2018 outlook as well was, um, look, there is there is a stellar and a really stunningly, um, stunningly, you know, rock steady correlation between the long end of U.S. Treasury, so 10 and 30 years, and inflation surprises in the U.S. Okay. since 2017. So what you've seen is with negative inflation surprises, people were basically buying long duration. Basically, you know, you had flatter curves, you had 10 yes. and 30 years rallying. Uh, now, what you've seen with one or two prints were enough already, as you said. Those were, you know, it was not like a new new trend is established all of a sudden yes. overnight. But one or two prints already were enough to send, you know, the curves slightly steeper and to send the, uh, the, the long end of the U.S. Treasury curve in terms of yield, send it up. So, um, and I think that's probably going to have a little bit more room. And we said that in our 2018 outlook, if you're scared about inflation, and if you think there's going to be a bit of more trend, then probably the one way to protect you best is go against the market. Don't put on flatteners, actually put on steepness. And if you look at, uh, if we go back to currencies now, if you look at the correlation and, um, you know, the, the sensitivities of dollar versus rate differentials, obviously the short end doesn't play much of a role anymore. Yes. If you look at longer end rate differentials, they play much more of a role. So if you do see slightly steeper curves, the longer end coming out a little bit higher still, then there might be even a case for more dollar, de- uh, dollar appreciation over the next couple of weeks. We've seen a bit of dollar appreciation this week, but we've been the, the main thing we were all talking about until this, this equity correction this year was dollar weakness. Does this dollar appreciation you know, fizzle out quite soon, do you think? So the dollar appreciation, our FX um, strategists do see a slightly stronger dollar. I would buy into that slightly stronger dollar, yes, because I think what we have seen in 2017 was many investors basically banking on a synchronization of the growth cycle. So just to you know, just to highlight what I think um, has, everybody's growing exactly. The, everybody's the growing, growing at sort of potential or slightly yeah. uh, more than potential growth. Um, I think what has happened in 2017, and that has driven large parts of of the dollar weakness was you know you had the dollar you had the US economy at a later stage of the cycle and it was widely accepted that you had the other economies basically lagging so those ones were catching up in 2017 the US is stuck at a later stage of the cycle not yet overheating so the other ones as they catch up also so do their currencies and that I think drove the dollar weakness I think this is slightly going to change in 2018 we're going to find out there is more divergence across the global economy it's not that synchronized you don't think there's I don't think think the the policy normalization is going to be I don't think it's going to be a global phenomenon right and with that if it if there is more 
divergence, if there's more, let's say, disparity between global growth, between different regions, different countries, yes. with that, there should be more, you know, strategically, there should be more dollar strength in store then. Dollar weakness until mid-year, then probably strengthening towards the end. Hopefully. Bank of England, Max, we can't finish podcast without talking about the Bank of England. What did you make of the hawkish tone, which really took the market a bit by surprise. Uh, It took the the market by surprise. It took me by surprise. Um, I think from a growth perspective, the latest, you know, the latest data that we have actually indicate there is an increasing divergence going forward in terms of growth with the Eurozone and not particularly in favour for the UK, but more in favour for the Eurozone. So why is Mark Uh, Carney so upbeat? It's, you know, maybe he's saying, look, um, with... The let's say with fewer news on Brexit and fewer fewer distracting news on the on the Brexit negotiations, we have more time to concentrate on economic fundamentals, mm. and we which now can say great. which aren't <laughs> that great, but also not that dismal. So maybe you uh, can say, look, it, it, we do not yes. need that kind of massive degree of accommodation. Yes, fair enough. But would I bank on on a May uh, rate increase already? I'm I'm not too sure. You know, I think what the market has done today, I think it's like priced by 60 70% it's up to 70% in May it's now. a bit too yeah. much I think so I wouldn't really bank on further sterling gains from here I mean of course Mark Carney has talked up the idea of rate hikes he soon yeah. might be having to talk them down yeah. again so it's you know we don't know what is going to happen with Brexit negotiations obviously the news flow if not supportive but it has become slightly less dismal relative to six months ago but I wouldn't call it supportive by any means so uh, it remains a highly politicized issue I think and the Bank of England could find itself easily in an environment in a situation where they say well we'd like to focus on economic fundamentals but actually politics don't allow that just finally Max um, after after this week is uh, um, is this volatility increased volatility going to change how central banks view their their rate paths or are they just going to ignore it I think largely they're going to ignore it if anything maybe the Fed can take it up but I think that won't really uh, change the rate path um, the ECB won't really take that as an excuse, I think, I think because uh, when you look at Eurozone inflation, we still look for Eurozone inflation to be surprisingly weak, particularly in the first half of this right. year, particularly the first maybe four months. Uh, that's because of some special effects and also because of the stronger euro. If that comes into play, then the euro, the ECB is anyway kind of boxed in into a situation where they can't really be too hawkish. So they won't really need the volatility increase as an excuse. Yes. Okay. My thanks to Max Kepner of Commerce Bank. So after the market excitement of the week, things are feeling a bit calmer, but are they about to get turbulent again? Next week is that all-important inflation data out of the US. Hold on to your hats and join us again for Hard Currency. Until then, it's goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 